Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, the 539th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release by becoming a paid member on the Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. That is the only way you can hear the podcast the day that it's released. So if you don't want to wait two days to hear it, go on over to I'm your moderator.substack.com. Sign up for a paid subscription for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. That's less than a quarter per episode. You'll get all the writing as soon as I post it. And you'll never have to think about a paywall again. Also, if you have questions about the show, if you're listening, you got questions, you got comments, there's a comment feature on the Substack. You go right to the post. You can just write anything you want, and there's a good chance I'll respond. So if you disagree with me or you wonder why I'm thinking something or you think, oh, that can't be true. Does he have a reference for that? I'll be more than happy to supply you the reference. Now, I can't say I'm going to be on top of all the comments all the time, but I'll do my best. 
And of course, you are welcome to do the same on Truth Social or Telegram or Gab or Getter, but Truth Social and Telegram primarily. So it seems like the effort to remove Joe Biden by both sides is advancing rapidly. The media is now no longer a friend of Joe Biden. They will support him in relation to Donald Trump, but they are simultaneously trying to separate themselves and separate the Democrat Party and the neocon movement, the Uniparty, from Joe Biden. They're trying to make sure that all of the problems in our society can be squarely placed at the feet of either Donald Trump and his supporters or Joe Biden himself, leaving the Uniparty and all of the Uniparty's supporters, the Biden voters, unscathed. It's not their fault. They're the adults in the room. They made the right decision. They solved racism by putting Joe Biden in there. Donald Trump was very dumb and very dangerous and very divisive. You had to get him out of there or who knows what could happen. We might find ourselves involved in pointless foreign wars for no reason. If Donald Trump stayed in office, I mean, yeah, fine. We're in Ukraine and we have other conflicts and certainly more on the horizon as the entire world understands they can take advantage of the illegitimate American president. That's definitely true, but at least there are no mean tweets. I mean, do you remember how irresponsible Donald Trump was? He called Kim Jong-un little rocket man and said that he would respond with fire and fury like the world has never known when the little rocket man started making threats. That's very dangerous. Now, absolutely nothing came of that except North Korea falling in line, but it must have been very dangerous to someone. And of course, the Biden voters knew that with their vote, while solving racism, they were also going to heal the divisions in the country by electing Joe Biden, a man they were told is basically a centrist. He's the midpoint between what Republicans do and what Democrats do. He's a moderate candidate. Look, you, we understand that no one wants AOC to be president, but how about AOC in an old white man's body? <laughs> That'll do it, won't it, everybody? Everything is about race. Let's do that. That'll please those racist Republicans. <laughs> All those dum-dums. Joe Biden from his basement. That's exactly what they'll want. They'll eat it right up. Yeah, that's the ticket. Go ahead and sell that to them, media We'll force them to believe it. We'll censor any disagreement. We'll just shove this story down their throats 24-7 for years and years and years. They'll have no choice but to believe it and go along with whatever the Uniparty wants. Elect Joe Biden. But of course, as many of us knew, because it was completely obvious at the time, Joe Biden was not the person he was sold to centrists as. And he has done nothing but attempt to implement the global communist agenda, also known as the liberal world order, according to Joe Biden's own advisor, Brian Deese. We can also call it the World Economic Forum's agenda that they've tried to implement in country after country after country, always destroying the country, as we just discussed with Sri Lanka yesterday. Now, of course, all of that was known at the time. There was no confusion in the Uniparty and the people who run the Uniparty about 
whether or not Joe Biden was going to do what they say, whether or not he was going to follow the demands of the global communist agenda, he's fully compromised by Russia, Ukraine, China, and others, all sorts of different corporations. He and his family have their dirty little fingers in all of it. And they always did. They knew that this would be the result. The society would begin to slowly fall apart, but not for their voters, or so they hoped. Turns out they got that one wrong too. They basically get everything wrong. And people really do have to understand that. They have done, in quotes, all sorts of things, but they haven't actually completed anything. Think about the vaccine mandates, for instance. They put the vaccine mandates in place in the only way they could through OSHA. Turns out that's not constitutional at all. They're actually not allowed to do that. And it got overturned, but not before a bunch of people complied and took the vaccine. And that is very sad because they were faced with either getting fired from their jobs or taking the vaccine. Or so they thought they actually did have another option. They could have stood up for themselves and not complied and then taken it on the chin and tried to work through the legal system. And maybe that would have taken longer, but at least you wouldn't have poisoned yourself. But the point is that these people have not successfully completed any part of their mission. They have ruined things. Don't get me wrong. Their policies are terrible. And that terribleness is on display for the whole world to see. But nonetheless, they think they will be able to remove and separate Joe Biden because of the way that they project presidential power and presidential responsibility in the United States. They know that the child brains in their audience will be happy to blame all of this on Joe Biden so that they can say they just made one small mistake by voting for Joe Biden. But the truth is, it wasn't even a mistake because Donald Trump was that bad. He was that dangerous. He was that divisive. You couldn't vote for him, so we did the only thing we could do. Turns out, Joe Biden's not the guy. So, yeah, okay, we got that one wrong. But the project as a whole isn't the problem. It's just Joe Biden. So what they need to do now is separate Joe Biden from the project as a whole. And the crazy thing is that they actually believe this could work. They think the American public is so dumb that they're going to go for it. And the reason they think this is because they exist inside an information bubble and they themselves do not account for their own censorship and propaganda. They come to embody their false stories as if they're true. They incorporated the false narratives into their own thinking, which is natural when one of their strategies is to continue to repeat those false narratives at every turn. So they end up talking themselves into ideas they know to be wrong. And then when those ideas are tested in the real world, they don't get legitimate feedback. They only get feedback from within the bubble and the feedback itself is censored. So the feedback they get is as inaccurate as the false stories they were propagating in the first place. And now everyone inside the bubble has convinced themselves that the false stories are true because they need them to be true. So what we end up with is an entire class of people who are completely detached from reality. They have completely accepted not only the truth, but the goodness of the false reality. And they're happy to do their part in convincing everyone else that the false reality is indeed true and good. 
Now, there aren't a lot of them remaining, but there's still a good chunk, maybe 20% of the country, maybe 15% of the country. The polls are extraordinarily bad. And all of these polls will skew toward them to favor them and to favor the central narrative. And they're still that bad. We're seeing numbers in the 80s on right track, wrong track, people believing that the country is on the wrong track. We're seeing 80s and sometimes 90s on disapproval for Joe Biden. Kamala Harris isn't far behind. When narrative questions are polled, the narrative is being lost by them. People are not taking the position of the mainstream media and of the uniparty, but they don't understand it, or at least they don't understand it fully. And one guy who certainly does not understand it fully is the fake president himself. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two thirds say they don't. Read the poll, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Now, of course, the reporter is correct about the numbers. In the poll, he's referencing 64% of Democrats don't want to see Joe Biden run again. Now, maybe someone on Joe Biden's staff told him, Well, okay, Mr. President, but there's this other number that we can show you where if you were the nominee against Trump, 92% of Democrats would still vote for you in that situation. And maybe he's going to go ahead and run with that. But of course, the number of Democrats, people who self-identify as Democrats, despite registrations, is shrinking. And we know that it's shrinking because of voter registrations. We know that it's shrinking because of polling. And we know that it's shrinking just by observing our own lives and seeing how much more upset people are with Democrats than they were two years ago. And if you're not seeing that in your own life, I would suggest that you might be trapped in that bubble a bit, too. Now. There's a very low likelihood of that if you're listening to this show, but some of you may be in deep blue enclaves where people still don't get it at all. That's possible. But the upshot is that Democrats are quickly turning away from Joe Biden and realizing that Joe Biden simply is not up to the task. Even for the communists who are very happy to see the implementation of the global communist agenda in their own lives, they are still figuring out that Joe Biden has no business being president. And that feeling is getting hammered home every time they see a new headline about Hunter Biden, all of which, by the way, come directly from Marco Polo. Just a shout out to Marco Polo because they're the ones doing the real work. But the target audience for the current media narrative about politics on the left are those exact people, the ones who still want all the policy and still think all this stuff is good and that it's a conspiracy theory every time someone has a problem with vaccines or masks or any of that. All that's a conspiracy theory. You got a problem with immigration. Well, that's racist. You have a problem with Ukraine. What are you on Putin's side? 
Those aren't real Nazis in Ukraine, despite the swastikas and other Nazi symbolism and, you know, the history and how they're always raising their arm with their palm down and just holding it there. (laughs) They're not Nazis. It's a conspiracy theory. Ukraine has never had Nazis. And Ukraine's definitely not the ancestral seat of the Kazarian Mafia either conspiracy theorists but the people who have defended all that the people who are still totally on board many of them are realizing that joe biden can't get it done and so rather than admitting that they're wrong about the entire thing and trying to reconnect to reality they would prefer to just remove joe biden from the picture and continue forward but it's just so hard to let go even of that The TV has told them for years now, two and a half, three years now, that Joe Biden is exactly what the country needs. And they've been defending him at every single turn. Imagine being that person whose principles change whenever they need to change to continue to support a man who was mentored in politics by a Klansman while thinking that you're solving racism. Imagine defending a man who came up as a senator in the corporate governed state of Delaware with an extensive history of selling his political office to the highest bidder, including the foreign adversaries. And then all of that gets proven on his son's laptop. And despite that, you're still defending him. That's where these people are. Joe Biden has done no wrong. Okay, yeah, I know. Maybe he's a little old and he flubs his words sometimes. And yeah, okay, fine. He's sniffed a few kids in the past and said some racist things like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. But by and large, he's just done great things for the country. And most important among those is how much better Joe Biden makes them feel about themselves. Those people have spent the last two and a half or three years repeating whatever the television tells them to repeat when it comes to Joe Biden. And they showed no signs of stopping. So what happens when from the top people begin to realize that Joe Biden as fake president is no longer a salvageable play? Well, the only way to scale back down from that is for the television to give these people a whole bunch of new things to say so that they can still be productive as the useful idiots they are and so that they will never actually have to feel bad or stupid for being so blatantly wrong about absolutely everything and being so passionate and self-righteous about a bunch of subjects they actually don't know anything about And they can't even explain the contents of their own beliefs. This is former George W. Bush lackey and MSNBC commentator Matthew Dowd. I thought of something the other day, and you may not say this directly or you may. Democrats can take keep the House and keep or expand the Senate if they do one thing, which is allow voters to dislike Joe Biden but give them an argument about why it's so dangerous Republicans can take over power. That's the message they have. Allow, give, give voters permission 
to not like Joe Biden in this moment. Don't try to prove out Joe Biden. Don't try to improve his numbers. Don't try to do any of that. Give Allow the voters to have permission to dislike him and then make the argument of why it's such a disaster for, for the country if Republicans take power. And there you have it. Give them permission to admit that Joe Biden is absolutely terrible, but make sure they still stay on board with the rest of the program. So now the people controlling the Uniparty and the media have decided it's time to cut Joe Biden loose. They are no longer going to continue to support the Joe Biden is a good president narrative. They're going to give up on that. Joe Biden is too old, they'll say, or maybe a little demented. Maybe he's just past his prime. They'll say things like Americans have tuned Joe Biden out. They'll say that Americans are not connecting with the messenger. He is not the right person to put forth the message of the Uniparty, of the global communists, of the liberal world order. And Matthew Dowd is kind of even admitting that Democrats should not run on what Democrats can do for you because people are seeing that that didn't work either. They're going to run on Republicans being a disaster for this country in the midst of a disaster for this country caused by Democrats. Now, that is a message that will appeal to almost no one. But the thing is, their target audience is almost no one. They want to influence the cultural influencers. They want to appeal to the people whose reputations depend on them continuing to repeat the slogans. What they're attempting to do is to manipulate the boundary of what's okay to say while still being on the team, still retaining your place in the party of false decorum. They are just moving the boundary of the conversation prior. The boundary was anything short of saying that Joe Biden was a problem in any way. They had to protect Joe Biden at all costs because he is the face of the movement in America, whether anyone likes it or not. Joe Biden is now the face of the global communist agenda as it exists in America. Build back better. The Green New Deal. Those are World Economic Forum agenda elements. They are being implemented around the world in all the countries where the evil twin faction is in power. If the power center in a country favors the UN, the WHO, the World Trade Organization, the World Economic Forum, then you can be sure that the same agenda is being implemented there might be in slightly different ways, and it might be at slightly different stages along a timeline, but the same agenda is being implemented worldwide wherever they have power. And if you don't believe that, go to YouTube, type in Build Back Better compilation, and you can see leaders from around the world suggesting that what we need after COVID is to build back better. That's a Klaus Schwab phrase that they are repeating. Build Back Better is not Joe Biden's agenda. It is the global agenda. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez didn't come up with the Green New Deal. That's the World Economic Forum agenda on climate change. And no matter what the subject is, the underlying agenda is the same. Critical race theory is 
We need communism to fix racism. The Green New Deal is. We need communism to save the earth from the sun. The gender agenda is. We need communism or you're convincing gay and trans people to kill themselves. You're promoting violence against them. Now, if they were winning on all fronts, if their job was being done, if their agenda was being implemented, if the propaganda and the censorship were working to full capacity, the entire country would be going along with their program. Even the people they want to destroy. If everyone believed in the false reality, if everyone was attached to that false reality, they would be able to implement all of these programs easily. And they could easily target the communities and the people and the businesses for destruction. And we would all believe in the central narrative, for instance, that the vaccines are very safe and effective. We would all be getting our vaccines. We would all be getting our booster shots. And we would be inevitably destroying ourselves on their behalf because we believe what they're saying to such a degree. But that's not what we're seeing. The narrative is falling apart. The agenda is falling apart. And at this point, Joe Biden has fallen so spectacularly that there is no ability for them to save Joe Biden with the narrative. So they will let Joe Biden go. He is an acceptable loss. They want to retain everything else. And they're going to argue that you have to help them do it because of how much worse it would be if Republicans were back in control. You remember how bad it was back in 2019 with that booming economy and no war. Oh, I know everything was so divisive and it wasn't the media's fault. It wasn't the communist's fault. It wasn't the fault of people who were addicted to the central narrative and believed everything the television says. No, it's Donald Trump's fault. Donald Trump is the source of all division. And you can tell how bad Donald Trump is based on what the television says. Now, people are going to think that's crazy. They're not just going to let a president collapse, are they? Wouldn't that do too much harm to the party, too much harm to the cause? Well, that is exactly what they're preparing for right now. And that's why the media is preparing the child brains in their audience to let Joe Biden go. Ultimately, what they need to do is supply a public narrative that the general public accepts broadly enough so that they can steal the elections that they need to steal to retain uniparty power and have enough people believe it so that they won't have the same reaction to stolen elections that we saw in 2020. Now, again, that's not going to work. But what's key is they are protecting the uniparty. It's not just about Democrats. They want the uniparty. They are happy to elect Republicans who support the uniparty narrative, who support the central narrative, because ultimately they will support the uniparty agenda, which is the liberal world order, which is the global communist agenda, which is the World Economic Forum agenda. They don't need people with D's next to their name when they have people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and Dan Crenshaw and a Senate full of ridiculous clowns like Lindsey Graham and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and John Cornyn and Mitch McConnell and, oh yeah, Mitt Romney. They don't care about D's and R's. They care about uniparty or not uniparty. 
What they want to avoid is a MAGA takeover and everything that prevents that is now on the table, including letting a president just collapse and disappear. Now, I'm not saying physically collapse, although that is entirely possible, but everything is trending toward them at some point allowing Joe Biden to be removed in one way or another. It could be the 25th Amendment, by the way. It could be some sort of resignation. It could be blowback from Hunter Biden that finally takes Joe Biden under. And apparently now Alex Jones is suggesting that they will stage an assassination of Joe Biden by a MAGA domestic terrorist, and they will ride that narrative wave to success in the midterms. Sounds out there? Maybe. But would they do it? Well, what wouldn't they do? I wouldn't be surprised at this point if they're gearing up to run Liz Cheney as a Democrat against Donald Trump. She would be seen as the centrist candidate who could unite the country. People just don't want that crazy Donald Trump back. And sure, Liz Cheney, she's not down with the whole agenda. She's not woke. But at least she's not the no-no people. And you're welcome to think that Matthew Dowd is just putting forth his own ideas and that the media is just reporting the polls as they are for no other reason. These are the polls. We're just telling you. Yeah, Americans are really disappointed in Joe Biden now. It happens. They just don't see how good he is. Could be all that. But if that's true, why did they spend so long protecting him at every single turn? The entire media pretended that there was something to the letter from the 51 former intelligence officials calling Hunter Biden's laptop Russian disinformation. The whole media protected the stolen election and they called it the big lie and they called us domestic terrorists. But how much longer can that last? Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote apparently have something coming soon. We're at the end of the six weeks that Greg Phillips mentioned at the end of May, beginning of June. Catherine Engelbrecht recently said that whatever this thing is involves a foreign country potentially committing an act of war against the United States and their manipulation of our election. Now, is that going to be Italy? Be very interesting if it is. There are swarms of protesters outside the office of Prime Minister Mario Draghi trying to get him to resign, as they are in many more places around the world. And there was quite a bit of heat on that government in January of 2021 as well, because the Italy story is real. I'm not saying I know every element of it. There's not enough to go on there. We haven't had it all exposed yet. But it remains a very persistent story that keeps building in small ways. There is a limited number of foreign countries that they could be referring to. Am I speculating? Yes, I am. Do I know it's Italy? No, I don't. But it's definitely something to look out for, particularly with citizens trying to remove Draghi from office. How much longer can Joe Biden be seen by the American public as the actual president of the United States as this trend continues? Another month? Another two months? Another three months? Does he get through the midterms? He's supposed to be president for another two years, six months, and one week. How is he supposed to complete that journey if the media is already cutting him loose? 
I don't think it's possible. We shall see. Now, I talked yesterday about the 10-year-old Ohio girl who we're told was forced to cross state lines to travel to get the abortion she so desperately needed. The Democrats went hard with this story last week, and there seemed to be no factual basis to support the story whatsoever. The person responsible for disseminating the story in the first place was not able to back up the story for herself at all. And the story being potentially fake had pretty much taken over the entire narrative. So to the rescue comes the Columbus dispatch. Now, whether or not this story is true, we don't know. But what we can easily understand is that the timing of it is awfully convenient. Here's the headline in the Columbus dispatch. Arrest made in rape of Ohio girl that led to Indiana abortion drawing international attention. A Columbus man has been charged with impregnating a 10-year-old Ohio girl whose travel to Indiana to seek an abortion led to international attention following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and activation of Ohio's abortion law. Gershon Fuentes, 27, whose last known address was an apartment on Columbus's northwest side, was arrested Tuesday after police say he confessed to raping the child on at least two occasions. He's since been charged with rape, a felony of the first degree in Ohio. Columbus police were made aware of the girl's pregnancy through a referral by Franklin County Children's Services that was made by her mother on June 22nd. Detective Jeffrey Hune testified Wednesday morning at Fuentes's arraignment. On June 30th, the girl underwent a medical abortion in Indianapolis, Hune said. Hune also testified that DNA from the clinic in Indianapolis is being tested against samples from Fuentes, as well as the child's siblings, to confirm contribution to the aborted fetus. Franklin County Municipal Court Judge Cynthia Ebner said the case did not warrant Fuentes, who is believed to be undocumented, to be held without bail. And he's not believed to be undocumented. He is an illegal immigrant. So the judge has decided that an illegal immigrant who twice raped a 10-year-old does not need to be held without bail. Got it. Ebner said a high bond was necessary, however, due to Fuentes being a possible flight risk and for the safety of the child involved. Before being arrested, Hune and Detective David Phillips collected a saliva sample from Fuentes, according to a probable cause statement. Ebner set a $2 million bond for Fuentes, who is being held in the Franklin County Jail. It will be very interesting to see if he gets out. Now, it wasn't only conspiracy theorists like me on the Internet saying that this story sounded like it probably was made up. Back to the article. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost also questioned the validity of the account during an appearance on Fox News this week. Yost, a Republican, told Fox News host Jesse Waters that his office had not heard, quote, a whisper of a report being filed for the 10 year old victim. We have regular contact with prosecutors and local police and sheriffs, not a whisper anywhere, Yost said on the show. Yost doubled down on that in an interview with the USA Today Network, Ohio Bureau on Tuesday, saying that the more time passed before confirmation made it more likely that this was a fabrication. I know the cops and prosecutors in this state, Yost said. 
There's not one of them that wouldn't be turning over every rock looking for this guy. And they would have charged him. They wouldn't leave him loose on the streets. I'm not saying it could not have happened. What I'm saying to you is there's not a damn scintilla of evidence. On Wednesday, once news of the arraignment came, Yost issued a single sentence statement. We rejoice anytime a child rapist is taken off the streets. So does that one sentence sound like Attorney General Dave Yost is now convinced that the story is true? I would suggest that it kind of does not. But we shall see. During Wednesday's hearing, Assistant Franklin County Prosecutor Dan Meyer requested Fuentes be held without bond. He said Fuentes is not believed to be in the country legally, and there are questions about his identity. So he's an illegal immigrant, and they're not even entirely certain who he is. Hune testified that detectives spoke to Fuentes through an interpreter, and Fuentes admitted to having sexual contact with the girl. An interpreter was also used during Wednesday's hearing. Oh, that's good. The 10-year-old also told police Fuentes was the father of the pregnancy. Hune testified. Meyer said the girl had just turned 10 recently, meaning she was likely impregnated at nine years old. Clark Torbett, an attorney with the Franklin County Public Defender's Office, said it was unconstitutional to hold Fuentes without bond, especially with DNA confirmation of the pregnancy's father still pending. He said Fuentes had lived in Columbus the last seven years and had a steady job at a cafe. He also had an address where he could live that was not at the same location as the 10-year-old. If convicted, Fuentes would face a potential life sentence in prison. So right as the story is about to collapse in the public mind, we have the arrest of an illegal immigrant whose identity is in question and who does not speak English. And the confession that they were able to get from this man is now proof that the entire story is true. Now, I admit there is a possibility that the entire story is true. But we're also told that the Columbus police were made aware of this on June 22nd. So it shouldn't have been all that hard to confirm the story's authenticity. But nonetheless, it didn't happen. And the Ohio attorney general did not hear a single thing about this over the course of three weeks. But regardless, the Democrats were not going to allow this narrative to just slip away. They can't give up on abortion. Abortion is one of their most important issues and probably one of their biggest money-making ventures because it turns out people are willing to pay a lot of money for aborted fetal tissue, for organs, and for stem cells. Shocking. But every attempt they make to strengthen their narrative is blowing up in their face. And I'm not sure anything could be worse for their narrative than this bit of testimony today in the House. I assume you agree with infanticide, the killing of a child, a perfectly healthy child at birth. I don't accept the basis of that question, but Pardon? I do believe abortion is health care. I'm talking about, do you agree? I, I know, I get that, but do you agree? I mean, are you in, do you support infanticide, killing a child after he's born? I do not agree with the basis of that question, What's but I basis? do believe that abortion is health care. Okay, so I'll take that as a yes, you do. So that is South Carolina Representative Ralph Norman, and he's speaking to a woman named Sarah Lopez, who is an abortion storyteller for a group called We Testify and the 
youth program manager for a group called Jane's Due Process. She's an abortion activist testifying on behalf of the abortion industry in front of Congress. She was asked essentially to come out and disavow infanticide and she couldn't do it. Or maybe more accurately, she wouldn't do it. She was worried about the implications of her saying it was wrong to kill a baby after it's born, a healthy baby after it's born. And she couldn't bring herself to say that that was wrong. Now, you might think she's just being crafty and clever and dodging a question so that she doesn't get caught in a conversation she doesn't want to have. But it is actually more than that, because as I mentioned on the show before, California has bills under proposal that would cover abortion in the perinatal period. That's the period of a few weeks after birth. Now, I know you're thinking that's crazy. That's impossible. Well, is it? Of course not. I wouldn't say it if it was. This is from LifeSite News from this April. California advances abortion bill that attorneys say could legalize killing babies after birth. Again, an extreme claim. And again, I understand that attorneys say is not enough to go on. So let's go further into it. Lawmakers in Democrat-controlled California advanced a controversial piece of legislation that pro-life groups and attorneys warned could legalize infanticide for weeks or even years after a baby is born. California's Assembly Judiciary Committee voted along party lines Tuesday to approve AB 2223, which was authored by Democrat Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks of Oakland. So if you have questions for yourself, go look up California Bill AB 2223 Wicks wrote in the bill analysis that AB 2223 protects reproductive freedom by clarifying that the Reproductive Privacy Act prohibits pregnancy criminalization and creates a private right of action for people whose rights have been violated to seek accountability using civil courts. It would also remove outdated provisions requiring coroners to investigate certain pregnancy losses and ensure that information collected about pregnancy loss is not used to target people through criminal or civil legal systems, Wicks wrote. So basically, she just doesn't want anyone questioning pregnancy losses that might otherwise be just a bit suspicious. The updated language of the law states that, quote, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise deprived of their rights based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth or abortion or perinatal death. Wicks has argued that the legislation would apply to pregnant women who she says, quote, would not be prosecuted for losing or miscarrying a baby or for a, quote, tragic situation during pregnancy. Parents should not be criminalized for a tragic loss, the assemblywoman argued. While Wicks and other proponents of the bill have argued that the provision barring the investigation of perinatal death is intended to prevent the criminalization of mothers whose babies died naturally, the language has raised alarm bells among attorneys and pro-life advocates. 
Thomas More Society Special Counsel Charles LeMandry, a partner at LeMandry and Jana LLP, who earned his law degree at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., told LifeSite News in an email late last month that the altered language would allow for the brutal murder of babies weeks, months, or even years after they are born. According to LeMandry, the proposal, quote, exposes the false narrative that the abortion lobby has been peddling for over a half a century, that no one knows when life begins and babies in their mother's wombs feel no pain. No sane person can deny that a newborn infant is a fully developed human being, one that is capable of feeling intense pain. Yet by including perinatal in its provisions, the bill would authorize the brutal murder of these infants even after they are born. LeMandry noted that the definition of perinatal varies, spanning weeks or even years after an infant is born. He cited Medicine Net, which puts the definition of perinatal at ending one to four weeks after birth, as well as the government definition of the phrase via PubMed.gov, which states, the perinatal period broadly defined encompasses the time frame from 18 to 24 months after the birth of a child. Hence, AB 2223 leaves one to ask what kind of depraved monsters would justify the killing of innocent and helpless children between one week and two years after birth. According to LeMandry, the radical legislative proposal is beyond the pale for any civilized society to even consider and must be aggressively opposed by all people of conscience who value human life. Similarly, attorney Susan S. Arnall of the Right to Life League explained that AB 2223 literally decriminalizes infanticide, the killing of babies up to a month old and maybe older. It does this by eliminating civil and criminal penalties for abortions, including perinatal death. The bill doesn't define the term perinatal, but it doesn't have to. So we can automatically dispense with the notion that I'm making this up. This is a real thing. Maybe you want to give the Democrats, the pro-abortion Democrats who aid in the expansion and profit from an industry built up around abortion and the selling in a market, a real market that actually does exist for aborted fetal tissue, organs, and stem cells. And so the question is, would the value of tissue increase after a fully formed child was born? And while we would all agree that there is virtually no mother in the world who would just allow her child to be killed after birth, we can imagine a world where women may be inadvertently separated from their child who was just born and then may lose track of that child. And we wouldn't want anyone prosecuted if that child were to happen to die in that perinatal period. And the easiest way to imagine that world is simply to look at what happens as people from south of the border cross over the border in the illegal slave trade that Joe Biden and Democrats all also support. Now, we know those people coming across the border are not in a good financial situation. We know that anywhere between 30% in some reports and 70% in other reports of the women who make that journey are raped on that journey. And you have to wonder what happens with women who are carrying the child of their rapist, who are in dire financial straits in a country that is entirely new to them with a language they don't speak. 
What would happen if, say, they wanted to put their child up for adoption? Well, the woman's not an American citizen. She doesn't want to be the mother to the baby of the rapist who impregnated her along that journey. And so she decides, well, maybe I should just put this child up for adoption. And she passes it over to the state. Now, if, for instance, there were people monstrous enough to go ahead and kill that child after its birth in order to harvest organs or stem cells or other tissue, then there may indeed be a whole class of people that fit the exact situation that the opponents of this bill are trying to avoid. So the question then only becomes, are there people monstrous enough to do that? And of course, the answer to that is yes. And you just heard one. And you know that actual organ harvesting does happen to people around the world, including and most especially in parts of communist China, where organs are regularly harvested from the Falun Gong. And we also know that the science says it is ultimately a good thing to take aborted fetal tissue and graft it onto lab rats and other animals in order to study the viruses they're creating and also trying to prevent. So if you want to tell me that that's a conspiracy theory, go right ahead. But if you're going to do that, explain to me what the real world case is where this bill is necessary and the inclusion of the word perinatal is also necessary. And I will wait for the response. And by the way, the argument that they could never be that monstrous is a bit silly. They are running a slave trade. How did Democrats treat their slaves in the 1800s? For that matter, how did Nazis treat human life they didn't care about? Oh, but I know these Democrats are not Nazis. They just support and fund Nazis in Ukraine and train them through the CIA. Now, I was talking about COVID for the first time in a while yesterday, and there's just some other COVID news I want to drop in here quickly. First, the French parliament blocked the extension of France's health pass, their vaccine passport. So that is a notable victory and good for France. But the United States is still charging forward, selling the COVID narrative. At least the evil twin faction in the United States is doing that. This is Anthony Fauci with Neil Cavuto yesterday. But, you know, there are a lot of people looking at this, especially with this new strain. I can't even keep up with a doctor or even know if I'm pronouncing it right. This BA 2.75 or what have you. Uh, it always seems to be mutating. It always seems to be spreading. And yet the collective view of the world is we are over this time to move on, time to live our lives, time to fly again. We're no longer forcing those who are coming in from other countries uh, that they've either been vaccinated or testing negative for the virus itself. So how do you feel about all this? Well, we are certainly not over it. And I think that, you know, people have an understandable desire to put this in the rearview mirror and say we're through with it. But that's just not the reality. So Mr. Two Weeks to Slow the Spread wants everybody to know that we are just not out of COVID yet. Despite his two weeks to slow the spread turning into now well over two years and everyone is still in danger. On Friday, the Biden administration plans to once again extend the COVID public health emergency. This is Bloomberg. The U.S. government will once again extend the COVID-19 public health emergency, 
continuing measures that have given millions of Americans special access to health insurance and telehealth services. You got that? We need to be in a state of formal national emergency so that we can keep extending special access to health insurance and telehealth services. The Department of Health and Human Services has repeatedly renewed the emergency since it was originally declared in January 2020, with the most recent extension set to expire July 15th. The next extension is expected to take effect Friday, according to a person familiar with the matter, who asked not to be identified because the details aren't public. HHS didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. The Biden administration has said it will give states 60 days notice before ending the emergency to allow sufficient time to prepare for changes to certain programs and regulatory authorities. HHS last extended the public health emergency in May. The emergency designation has given millions of Americans special access to Medicaid, the state and federal program that provides health coverage to low income populations. U.S. regulators have also used emergency powers to clear vaccines therapeutics, and diagnostics for use against the coronavirus. Should the designation expire, people may no longer be able to access tools necessary to defend against COVID infection and disease. So basically, the emergency use authorizations for all of the products that pharma is forcing the American public to consume might have to go away if the emergency somehow ended. Now, what is under emergency use authorization? Well, the tests, the masks, the therapeutics, and of course, the experimental gene therapies that are not very safe and are not very effective. In fact, there's new data out of the UK that now 94% of their deaths attributed to COVID are occurring in people who have taken the experimental gene therapy. And it's possible that those numbers might actually matter to people, except the thing is, we're in a public health emergency and they're being used under emergency authorization, which means that the patients are taking on all the responsibility for having themselves injected with the experimental gene therapy. So, you know, things are going really well. One person who's not going to have himself injected with the experimental gene therapy is Philly's catcher, J.T. Realmuto. What are your reservations? I just, I mean, I'm a healthy 31-year-old professional athlete, um, and I just didn't feel the need to get it. Um, I've had COVID a couple of times and super mild symptoms uh, back when it first came out. And when it came time to decide whether um, I needed a vaccine or not, uh, talked with a couple of doctors that I knew and told them my story and just really decided I didn't think I needed it. And I, I wasn't going to take it just because I was told to, basically. So. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not missing, you're going to forfeit a good amount of salary. Yeah, but I mean, what's 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 money when I'm not going to let Canada tell me what I do and don't put in my body for a little bit of money? It's just it's not worth it. So I know that audio is not the best, but what was happening there was a locker room interview. Real Muto was being questioned about why he had not gotten the vaccine. He explained that he consulted with some doctors. He had already had COVID a couple of times. Didn't think he needed it. He's a healthy young man, a professional athlete in peak condition. 
And so he didn't want to take the chance with the vaccine because he's not worried at all about COVID. A totally rational and reasonable response without even breaking into any area that is or should be the least bit controversial. And so the reporter asked him, well, you're forfeiting paychecks by missing games when the Phillies travel to Canada. You're not able to play in those games because of Canadian laws. And he basically said, what difference does the money make if I inject myself with something that could destroy my body, destroy my career? How much money is he going to make if he can't play baseball anymore or if he collapses on the field the way so many soccer players have done? What happens if his heart is ruined and he's no longer able to compete? Even the premise of that question from the reporter is nuts. It's worth a few games salary to make sure you can play in Canada, even if it means you take on a risk of never playing again and never earning money again. That's nuts. What does it say about how far we've sunk as a culture and the value we even place on our lives not to mention anyone else's, that this is even a question. But switching subjects without a segue, this might be the best soundbite to emerge from yesterday. This is John Bolton, former ambassador John Bolton, former undersecretary of state John Bolton, former national security advisor John Bolton, with CNN communist and probable intelligence asset Jake Tapper attack on our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once in a lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you to be to be uh, fair with all due respect. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that as somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat. Yeah. Not here, but you know, other places. Uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's no doubt. But not to overthrow the Constitution, to buy more time to throw the matter back to the states to try and redo the issue. And if you don't believe that, you're going to overreact. And I think that's a real risk for the committee, which has done a lot of good work, mostly when the witnesses testify, not when the members are opining. Uh, it is invariably the case that when you go too far trying to prove your case, you undermine it. So John Bolton is saying that Donald Trump wasn't actually trying to overthrow the government. This was not a coup. Coups are actually complicated. They don't just start spontaneously because the bad orange man says, let's walk peaceably and patriotically down to the Capitol and make our voices heard. Donald Trump was just trying to send the electors back to the states so that the legitimacy of the election could be further analyzed and discussed. So Bolton absolutely wrecks the mainstream narrative there, which is surprising for John Bolton. But the other interesting part is that he just admitted and said flat out that he's been involved in organizing and directing and staging coups. So Jake Tapper follows up and you got to follow up on that because you've been telling the entire American public for a year and a half now that what happened at the very violent insurrection was in fact a coup. Donald Trump wanted to overthrow our democracy and they have tried to saturate the American public with the idea 
that coups are the worst thing that could ever happen. No one in America should ever support a coup, except for all the coups we've run elsewhere. But of course, the media also tells the child brains in their Democrat Communist Party audience that they can simply ignore all that. Those are all good coups and Donald Trump's coup, not that they can prove there was anything close to a coup, was a bad coup. To anathematize the rest of the Republican Party, and that's unacceptable. I, I do want to ask a follow-up. Um, when we were talking about what is capable, what you need to do to be able to plan a coup, and you, you cited your expertise having planned coups. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but... Uh, successful coups well i wrote about venezuela in uh, in the book and uh, it it turned out not to be successful not that we had all that much to do with it but i saw what it took for an opposition to try and overturn an illegally elected president and they failed the notion that donald trump was half as competent as the venezuelan opposition is laughable but i think there's another i feel like you're this other stuff you're not telling me though i think i'm sure there is I think there's another point here that, that came out in the testimony that's not been stressed enough. Uh, testimony, uh, uh, deposition testimony by, I think his name was Donnell Harbin. I, I may have taken that down wrong. The, the chief of uh, intelligence and homeland security for the District of Columbia government, who said we were watching Twitter after Trump's tweet calling for the demonstration on right. January the 6th. We saw all of these implications, all of the concerns about the violence. I want to know where the rest of the government was, and I particularly want to know where members of Congress were. If this was so evident at the time, why there wasn't more security on the Hill long before the, the demonstrators ever turned up? No, it's a good question. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people who just lived here and had been paying attention were aware that there was a real potential for violence yeah, on I that day. The, I hope the Hey, Jake, why didn't you ever bother asking anyone those questions then? If everybody knew that there was a potential for violence and Donald Trump proposed bringing in 20,000, 10 or 20,000 National Guard troops, which he did, which is part of the official record, where were they? Why did Congress decline that added protection, knowing that there was a potential for violence based on the tweets? But John Bolton also alluded to a history of attempted coups, and it turns out the United States has an extensive history of attempted coups, and they have an extensive history of involvement in regime change. In fact, the Wikipedia entry for U.S. involvement in regime change is really long, and I'm just going to share some of the examples with you just quickly naming them. And let's just go ahead through the last hundred years. Nothing longer than that. In fact, we'll start with the World War II era. And naturally, you can expect American involvement in regime change after a world war. But nonetheless, during the World War II era in the aftermath, the U.S. was involved in regime change in Japan, Germany, Italy, France, Belgium, Netherlands, Philippines, and Austria during the Cold War period. South Korea, China, Greece, Costa Rica, Albania, and Syria. In the 1950s, Burma and China, Egypt, Guatemala, Iran, Guatemala again two years later, Syria, Indonesia, South Vietnam, and Cuba. In the 60s, we had Congo, Laos, Dominican Republic, Brazil, Iraq, and Indonesia. The 70s saw U.S. involvement in regime change. In Cambodia, Chile, Bolivia, 
Ethiopia, Angola, East Timor, Argentina, and Afghanistan. The 80s brought us Poland, Chad, Nicaragua, Grenada, Panama, and Paraguay. The post-Cold War period in the 90s, Iraq, Haiti, Iraq again, Haiti again, and Zaire. In the 2000s, we had the former Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, Iraq once again, Kyrgyzstan, the Palestinian territories, and Syria. And in the 2010s, we had Libya and Syria. And then you can add on color revolutions by the CIA in coordination with the global communists like George Soros and the Democrat Communist Party. That's what we saw twice in Ukraine in 2005 and again in 2014. And so the coup playbook is extensive and it's pretty well known. There's a documented history of U.S. involvement in coups or U.S. involvement in regime change. Likewise, there's an extensive history for George Soros and color revolutions and currency manipulations as they try to install friendly governments and eventually subsume those governments into international bodies like the UN and the WHO and put them under full control of the World Economic Forum's governing agenda. Tucker actually did a great segment on this last night, talking about how they go after poor downtrodden nations and they agree to push all sorts of funding into those nations so long as the powers in those nations agree to destroy their citizens' lives and turn the country over to global governance. But for some reason, we believe that can't happen here, despite all of the characteristics of color revolutions and coups and regime change elsewhere. It just can't happen here. Black Lives Matter was a grassroots movement. Antifa, oh, well, they're just out there to stop all the fascists. And the fascists aren't the people combining state power and corporate power to control the people and censor the people. No, the fascists are the people who disagree with that. So Antifa also, grassroots movement. Election fraud is not possible whatsoever. Even though stolen elections have been characteristic of coups and involvement in regime change and color revolutions around the world for decades. But none of that could happen here. That can't be true. And if it did happen here, it wouldn't be the Democrat Communist Party being supported by fellow uniparty Republicans, people with a little R next to their name. That's what makes them so different. That could not happen here. The United States could never be the victim of a color revolution or a coup. That's not what we're seeing at all. In fact, Donald Trump gave a speech and that speech started a coup. And according to Jake Tapper, you can be as dumb as Donald Trump and still start a coup just with one speech by calling all your racist, violent white supremacist supporters to the Capitol and saying it'll be wild. That could never happen here. That does not make sense. But hey, if you believe that you are in the target audience of people that the global communists through the propaganda media believe can be convinced to continue voting for Democrats so long as you have permission to stop supporting Joe Biden.
I've said it many times, but these people aren't disrespecting us as much as they're disrespecting their own supporters. They're going to make it so these people's brains crack completely when they finally figure out what's going on, if they ever will. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!